Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Unconventional Gal, forging your own path with me, your host, Cherokee. This week, we are doing something a little bit different, and instead of talking about life topics, I'm actually going to talk about something related to my esthetician life, and that is clean beauty, rather the myth that is clean beauty. So this is a topic that I actually could spend many, many podcasts speaking about. So it might be a little longer than the normal podcast. We will see once I am done flapping my gums. But this is something that I come across regularly, especially being an esthetician. I get a lot of people asking me questions about clean beauty and what's good and what's bad and organic and natural and green and all of these buzzwords. So first of all, let's talk about what is clean beauty? There is no actual legal or official definition in the United States or anywhere else that I know of, for that matter, of what is clean beauty. There's no regulatory agency that regulates the labeling of clean beauty. There's no actual definition anywhere. I suspect that clean beauty was something, a term thought up by the cosmetic industry and the big beauty brands because it sells product. I was curious. And so I just put out the word on my socials. What does clean beauty mean to you? Because I was curious what you guys thought clean beauty was. So here were just a few of the little things that I got. Someone said, removing the man-made chemicals and fillers that are often cheap and dangerous. Someone else said, going as natural as possible. Someone else said, stuff that works without the crap. And someone said, pretty much like I could eat it and not die. I mean, I feel like that's always a good goal to have, but why do you want to eat your face cream? I don't know. And then the last one just said, no useless chemicals. And that was kind of the sentiment. And that was a lot of the answers I was getting was a lot of it was about chemicals, bad chemicals, dangerous chemicals, toxic chemicals, 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 no chemicals in your beauty. So I guess when we start to talk about clean beauty, first we have to talk about chemicals. This has become a, another buzzword and I'm guilty of it myself. Years ago, I did a products I hate video and I had sunscreen in it that I hated and I said in it that it had too many chemicals in it and then someone corrected me about chemicals. And then I did some research and then I realized we are made of chemicals. Human beings are made of chemicals. Our world is made of chemicals. Chemicals are in everything. Flowers are chemicals, have chemicals. Anything natural that you have, if there's an apple or some honey in whatever you're slathering on your face, that is a chemical. So chemicals by nature are not bad. Chemicals just are. And yes, there are chemicals that can be more harmful and there are chemicals that can be less harmful. But I think the thing when we're talking about chemicals related to clean beauty is the amounts of the chemicals that are in things. So before we get into that, I actually kind of did a little bit of research just to see from, you know, there's not only brands that are really sort of pushing this whole clean beauty thing, but there's also some organizations. So, you know, there's, there are organizations that are legit. I know that there's the, um, oh, I forget what it's called right now, but it's the, the one that you can look up cruelty free brands. It's the bunny, the good bunny, something about bunnies. And that organization is great. And it's very helpful in finding cruelty free 
Clean beauty has nothing to do with being cruelty-free. Cruelty-free literally means that the products you are using are not tested on animals. That's it. Vegan means the products you are using do not contain animal products or byproducts. So no honey. It wouldn't be vegan if it had honey in it. Vegan and cruelty-free have nothing to do with clean beauty. So let's be clear there. I think vegan and cruelty-free products are great. Vegan, especially if you are vegan and that is important to you and your values and all of that business. So I found this organization called the Good Face Project. And basically they are a website where you can go and see, you know, according to brand and line and all of that stuff, what is, what is toxic and what isn't. So their definition of clean beauty was this. At its core, clean beauty means that you can use a product without risking your own health. The ingredients list must contain only safe, clean ingredients. Since the beauty, this is bolded, since the beauty industry lacks regulation, unbolded, it's up to us to become familiar with the most common toxins in our skincare, beauty, body, and hygiene products. Okay, so that's their definition. And I, you know, I looked at a, a bunch of different places and, and basically everyone had the, the same basic definition of clean beauty, but I thought this one was kind of the most concise and included the most subtopics, especially when, you know, it comes to talking in a podcast. I can kind of go down the list and give my two cents. Let me also be very clear that I am not a doctor. I am not a chemist, not a cosmetic chemist. I am not a scientist that has studied any of this, but I am a human that has read a lot of studies and done a lot of research. And I also work in an industry that knows better. If you follow actual actual estheticians that have been working for a long time, if you follow cosmetic chemists, if you follow scientists, if you follow, you know, highly educated doctors in the field of product development and effects and all of that, you are hard pressed to find anybody in any of those fields that thinks that clean beauty is a legitimate thing. First of all, going back to this good face project claim of clean beauty, the whole part of it that says the beauty industry lacks regulation and it's actually in bold, like they're really trying to drive that point home. First of all, the beauty industry does not lack regulation. Every product sold as a cosmetic has to be approved and the ingredients in it have to be approved by the FDA. Yes, there are some small workarounds like fragrance. If it's labeled fragrance, they can get away with some things in there that aren't maybe fully studied, maybe, but it still has to be a fragrance. Like they can't put arsenic in it and go, Ooh, that's a fragrance. I'm just going to label that as a fragrance. No, it would have to be labeled arsenic because arsenic is not like the, the label use for arsenic is not a fragrance. So I don't know where this whole, like there's no regulation in the beauty industry. There's actually very strict regulation in the beauty industry and the FDA regulates the FDA. It's the food and drug administration they regulate everything. They test everything. If something has an, a drug in it, the only thing that makes it, that sets it apart from a normal cosmetic as far as labeling is that it has to have the drug label. So it actually has to have what percentage. So like if you have sunscreen that has titanium dioxide in it, the titanium dioxide has to be labeled with a percent and it has to be labeled with the drug facts. So that's the only difference. But every other 
cosmetic that goes through the FDA has to be labeled with the ingredients and the ingredients are listed in order of concentration. If the bottle is too small to put a label, they will say the ingredients are in the unit, the insert in the packaging and the ingredients have to be listed in order of the strength of ingredients. So the strongest ingredient is first, the weakest ingredient is last. That all goes through the FDA. So unless you're buying maybe like Korean beauty products or something like that, if it's imported, imported legally, the FDA still requires certain labeling. So the FDA requires that cosmetics that are imported also have the instructions and the ingredients in English. If they're not, that means that it's not FDA approved coming through. Not to say that there are products from other countries that are not approved by the FDA. There's all kinds of Korean beauty products that are great, but you also don't really know what you're getting. And especially if you're buying something that is not in in a language that you understand, you could be getting something that is really harmful. That being said, anything that has been approved by the FDA, any product that you know is sold in the United States legally has been approved through the FDA. And this, like I said, is a pretty rigorous process. So unless you're buying something from another country that, you know, has kind of snuck its way here, or you're buying something that is made in somebody's, not garage, probably kitchen. I don't know if making beauty products in a garage would be great. I mean, honestly, making beauty products in a kitchen is not great anyways. But unless you're buying your beauty products that way, you are buying products that have gone through a regulated industry. It is called the FDA. When we go through aesthetic school and when you go through cosmetology school, it's the first thing you learn about is the FDA because they regulate everything. I also do not suggest buying cosmetics or beauty products or skincare products that are not regulated by the FDA because that's when you get into trouble with actual toxic products. So if you're buying something somebody made in their garage or kitchen, hopefully kitchen, hopefully not at all. Don't buy stuff made homemade by people. If you're buying something that is homemade from someone that says, oh, natural, organic, blah, blah, blah. Odds are that you're buying something a lot more dangerous than if you just marched your sweet butt down to CVS or Sephora and bought something that has 100 million chemicals in it that have been tested and approved by the FDA. So let's talk more about these buzzwords. First, the first one that drives me crazy is organic. Skincare and food are two different things. Organic is not a regulated term in cosmetics. If you say food is organic, the FDA requires that that food be grown without certain pesticides. That's actually a regulated term. You can't use that term unless you're following certain restrictions. We don't put food in our cosmetics, so it doesn't matter if there's pesticides in the food because they don't go in our cosmetics anyway. And that's the only thing that makes something organic is if it doesn't have pesticides in it. So by saying that a cosmetic is organic, that doesn't even make any sense. And it's not something that is regulated at all. The FDA does not touch organic anything when it comes to cosmetics. So if you see organic, that is a buzzword. Natural also means nothing. Natural does not necessarily mean something is good. Poison oak is natural and that's not good. And you don't want that in your skincare products. So yeah, okay. It might be natural, meaning that there's what food in it. You also don't want food in your skincare products unless it's something that has been tested in a lab. So natural is another buzzword that pretty much means absolutely nothing. And green is another one of those words that I don't even know what that would mean. 
I think maybe it's meant to mean that it there's sustainability in there or that it's earth friendly, but that also is something that is a huge gray area. So if you see organic, natural, or green on a skincare product, that right there tells you that this brand is trying to sell you a line. And one thing also to remember, and this thing I cannot stress enough, and I tell my clients this all the time, because you know when it comes to skincare, a lot of the time you'll read a label, and maybe you'll see exfoliating scrub, and then on the directions it says use daily. You'd never want to use an exfoliating scrub daily. That will damage your skin beyond belief. But the company that made that scrub wants you to use it daily so that you use more of it and you buy more of it. So they don't care about your skin. Even if the product is great, they're putting that in the directions because they want you to buy more of it. And it's the same with these cosmetic companies and all these buzzwords where you feel like, oh, this company really has, they really care about their their clients or their customers and they're trying to do the best for the environment. No, they don't. They, especially the big giant companies that are using all of these new buzzwords, they, they're trying to sell product and they know that they're, those buzzwords are hot and they know it's going to sell product. Listen to professionals. Do not listen to skincare companies. Not to say that every skincare company is out to get you. I'm not saying that either. And there definitely are people and higher ups that own skincare companies that care. But all of these buzzwords, if these companies really cared, they'd really be putting out good products and not just using buzzwords to sell them. The one thing to remember too is that Unless a product has a clinical study behind it, it might not hold up to its promises and it may cause just as many reactions as the product that has all of the toxic chemicals in it. So yeah, a product may only have six ingredients, but if there haven't been clinical studies on those six ingredients and those six ingredients combined together, that means that there's no long-term study or any study really at all to see what the effect of that can be on your skin. There's lots of things that are bad for your skin and your body that are quote unquote natural that are maybe, you know, herbs or supplements or things that come from the earth that are not good in high doses for a long time. I'm sure everybody has seen there's been so many lawsuits with supplements because they make all of these claims. And that's the thing too, is that these companies, if, if the term they're using is not regulated by the FDA, so the ingredients are regulated, but if the terms are not regulated, like they can say that it's organic or they can say that it's whatever. So you're just kind of being fed a line by these companies. And a lot of the time too, the way that these companies will get around the clinical study thing is they'll say that it's been clinically studied to blah, 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 but they're not talking about the product. They're talking about a key ingredient. So let's say it's like, we'll say L'Oreal. That's a big brand. So L'Oreal has this new eye cream and the key ingredient is vitamin C which is brightening, right? So in clinical studies, it was proven to blah, blah, blah. So they're talking about in clinical studies, vitamin C was proven to brighten up your skin. They're not talking about the actual eye cream that they're telling you is doing this stuff. And maybe that vitamin C in that eye cream is like 0.05% of vitamin C. So that's just one thing to remember is a lot of these companies that are giving you these big promises with these more natural ingredients and this clean beauty and all of that, it's not necessarily any better than the product that has all of the chemicals in it. Okay, so we're going to take a break for a second and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about parabens. Okay, friends, so now we're going to talk about the big, nasty, evil paraben. Dun, dun, dun. So... <laughs> Parabens are a really interesting thing because everybody knows that parabens are bad, right? 
nobody really knows why they're bad, but we just know like no sulfates, no parabens. That's on like every label, everything. I've even made videos like, oh, I like this company because they don't use parabens. I didn't even know what a paraben was. I actually learned a lot about parabens when I was in school because that's part of, you know, the chemicals, the chemistry that you learn. Parabens are essentially just preservatives. It's just an umbrella term for a, a family of preservatives. So there was one study done in 2004, one, linking parabens to cancer, breast cancer. And before they finished the study, before the research was even done, the media got wind of it and jumped on it and started spreading hysteria. The world then was like, oh my God, parabens cause cancer when this one study wasn't even finished. And when the study actually finished, they concluded that parabens, quote unquote, may be able to penetrate the skin, but there was no conclusive evidence that it caused cancer. And there still hasn't been. There has not been one single conclusive study done that parabens cause cancer. And that was the thing is that they were finding parabens in the tissue the breast tissue of people that had breast cancer. But the thing is, is you also find all kinds of other things. If you get tattooed, you're going to find ink in your lymph nodes because that's where your body expels it. And it doesn't always expel all the way out of your body. That doesn't mean that tattoo ink causes lymphatic cancer. So just because there's a connection does not mean that there is a causality. And that's the thing that these studies had found is that, yeah, there were parabens in breast tissue, like, small amounts of them and that's where they were like okay well then that means that means that the skin may be absorbing parabens it does not mean that parabens cause cancer and that's the thing too is yes parabens in high amounts could be toxic but those amounts would never be found in a cosmetic and that was what I was talking about earlier was toxicity depends a lot on the amount of what is in the product so that's what the FDA does is they study things and go okay yes parabens can be toxic but if you keep your parabens and your product under whatever 0.2 grams or whatever it is then it's not toxic but the studies that have been done on parabens have found that there you would have to to get toxicity from the amount of parabens found in like a shampoo or a hand cream or a face cream you would have to like ingest orally like 57 bottles of that thing that has parabens in it if you're doing that your problems are a lot bigger than the toxicity of parabens in your skincare and this whole thing with parabens has been linked to the other buzzword which is toxic or toxicity and the thing is that toxicology in a human body is not about the toxic nature of the chemical. It's about the amount of the substance or chemical and what amount becomes toxic to a human. So like arsenic. Yes, arsenic in really small doses doesn't cause any problems, but arsenic builds up in your body. So eventually the longer you take it, it's going to kill you. There's been no evidence that parabens do this. Most of the products that could be potentially toxic in the long term, your lymphatic system excretes. There's very few of those chemicals that your body holds on to. Pesticides are actually one of those chemicals that your body does hold on to. So you get cumulative pesticides. The most pesticides do not do not ever leave your body. So if you're eating tons of fruits and vegetables that aren't organic and they're being sprayed with pesticides, you're basically just getting a cumulative effect of pesticides. And that's the thing is the FDA approves substances based on the amounts that are used in the cosmetic. 
And also, too, please remember, most chemicals in large amounts have some level of toxicity. Vitamin C in large amounts causes mass diarrhea, can cause dehydration, can cause all kinds of horrible problems. Iron in too high of doses can kill you. Protein in too high of doses can cause kidney failure and liver failure. Even water, even if you drink too much water. Google water toxicity. It will literally kill you if you drink too much water too fast because it dilutes the salinity of your blood. So most chemicals in large amounts are bad for you. There is such thing as too much of a good thing. But when we're talking about cosmetics, we're talking about negligible amounts of these chemicals. The other thing that people complain about besides cancer with parabens is estrogen disruption. It's also not a thing because the effect that a small amount of paraben in a cosmetic would have on the body would be counter-affected by the large amount of estrogen that we naturally produce. So to, to disrupt your hormones, the amount of paraben that would have to be in your body would be massive. It would never, there would never be a product that had enough paraben to actually disrupt your hormones. And parabens do not stay in your body. They're flushed through your lymphatic system. So that also is another thing that there has been no conclusive evidence. If you guys can find conclusive studies that say parabens cause cancer, parabens cause estrogen disruption, besides just people's stories, because that's the thing is like, yeah, when you get sick, you want to find an answer. So let's say you get sick and then you say, well, I stopped using this product that had parabens in it and I felt better. Then that's where you're doing that whole causality thing again. It could have been the hyaluronic acid in that product that was making you sick, but because it had parabens and parabens have that scary buzzword, then there's that connection that people seem to want to make. I don't take my evidence and my science based off of what people tell me because people tell me all kinds of crazy shit. And if I listen to all of it, then I don't, I don't even know. Life would be really weird. But I take my evidence and I make my opinions based off of science and clinical studies and long-term research and comprehensive data, not just, well, this maybe happened one time. The other thing to remember, the last thing to remember about parabens, like I was saying before, is that parabens are preservatives. And this is what is getting really scary is that there's this giant public push for companies to eliminate parabens out of their products. We want parabens in our products. They are preservatives. And if you don't know what a preservative is, it is exactly what you think it is. It preserves a product from going bad, from spoiling. There are preservatives in some foods for this very reason. Now, food is one thing because, yeah, if you have a yogurt with no preservatives, then you just know I have to eat that yogurt within a week. You're never going to use a face cream within a week. What's probably going to happen is you're going to use a face cream that has no preservatives, and then you're going to double dip and then you're going to, you know, rub your eye and then you're going to whatever because humans are filthy creatures and you're going to give yourself a really nasty infection. And a tub of eye cream or a tub of face cream that you're dipping into is like a breeding ground for bacteria and fungus and viruses and all kinds of things that like to feed on dark, warm, wet climates. I was actually reading an article and they're saying that there's been more blindness from eye infections because of companies that are not putting parabens in their products. 
if you look at the bottom of a cosmetic, there's always a little jar and it has a number on it. And that's the amount of months that the product is good after you open it. Most cosmetics that have parabens last 12 to 24 months. Sometimes they're more, it depends on the product, but that's kind of the shelf life for most products. Organic and paraben-free products, organic, quote unquote, usually when they say organic, they mean that they're paraben-free. Those products only last, their little jar is six months. They should say six months. If they say anything more than six months, ignore it. But that's in an unstable environment. If there's a preservative, you know that will last 12 months because that's the life of the preservative. If there's no preservative, you don't know how long it's going to last once it gets bacteria in it or a fungus in it or something disgusting in there. So no preservatives means more infections. And also with parabens are sulfates. We hear a lot about sulfates being bad too. And most of the reason that sulfates get a bad rap is just because they're linked to parabens. A lot of products that have parabens also have sulfates. All a sulfate is, is a cleanser, essentially. It usually, so there's a, the most popular sulfate is sodium lauryl sulfate, which is SLS. You see it on labels. Most of the time, soaps, shampoos, that kind of thing. If it foams, even uh, toothpaste has SLS in it. Most of the time a product, if it foams, it has an SLS and that's just what helps it cleanse. But because it gets so foamy, it can be really drying. And because it can be really drying, it's counterproductive for people that have like psoriasis or eczema or dermatitis or things that their skin is already reactive. It can worsen it. It can aggravate your skin and it can make you reactive if you're sensitive. So that's the only reason the sulfate is bad. If you don't have any of those reactions to sulfates, especially if you are acne prone or oily, and you need that really good, strong cleanse, yeah, you might react from a sulfate, but you might not. And it's not because it's this crazy chemical causing cancer. It's literally because what that chemical does is clean your skin really well. And that's what will make it dry. I talked a little bit earlier about filler ingredients. So I want to talk about what filler is because filler also gets a bad rap. I think people think like, oh, it's filler. So there's like all kinds of extra stuff in my product. Fillers aren't bad by nature. Like when a cosmetic company is referring to a filler product in a cosmetic, all that means is it's not the active product. So if the product itself does not provide a benefit, then it is considered a filler. But they need a filler in a product to create bulk, texture, and lubrication. So essentially what filler does is makes a product spreadable and gives it consistency and allows it to be absorbed. So if you just had pure retinol with any out any kind of filter, retinol is a really grainy product. It might not spread all over your skin and then you'll have giant blobs of retinol just burning holes in your skin. So you need those filler products to make sure that the, the consistency of what you're using is correct to actually apply it to your face. A product cannot be made of 100% actives and it shouldn't be. If all you have in your skincare product is something that provides a benefit, that is way too much to put on your face all at once. You need something to be able to spread that product over your skin. And also sometimes fillers can be beneficial. Hyaluronic acid and glycerin are sometimes considered fillers. And both of those are extremely hydrating products. And hyaluronic acid is actually a great product for anti-aging. Glycerin is another product that gets a bad rep. It's cheap. And so people think that, oh, it's just a cheap throwaway filler. Glycerin is amazing for hydrating your skin. If you can't afford hyaluronic acid, glycerin is a great second in line to make sure that your skin is hydrated and plump and to keep those fine lines at bay. So fillers also sometimes give you benefits. 
But this is the thing to remember is, you know, I hear a lot about filler, filler, as if companies are just like, oh, I want to make this cheap cream. So I'm going to put like battery acid in it or like, I don't know, windshield wiper fluid or something like just to find a random cheap filler to make this product cheaper. No, that doesn't happen. Brands aren't just putting random chemicals as filler without a reason into the products. And yes, cheaper brands will have more texture filler and less actives, but whatever is in there is for a reason. And that's why I always say, you know, I always encourage my clients to buy products, especially products that have expensive actives. Retinol and hyaluronic acid are two expensive products. If you're buying them and they're cheap, it probably means that there's more filler. And by filler, I don't mean it's like something that's bad for you. I just mean it's something that's maybe watering down the active a little bit because it's more of the texture product and less of the active product. It doesn't mean that the product is bad for you. It just means that you might not necessarily get the benefits you would get from a more expensive product that had less filler. So if you ever hear me as a client, if you ever hear me say filler, I'm not talking about filler in a bad way. I'm just talking about filler literally as the stuff that fills the empty space in between the actives. The last thing I want to talk about is food because there's so many DIY everything out there. And, you know, as I was talking about before, preservatives are really important, but, um, and, you know, food doesn't, natural food, whatever, fruits and vegetables don't have preservatives. But also the thing you can't control when you put food on your face are reactions, allergies, and infections. And the thing is, is yeah, your favorite skin cream might have orange peel in it, but that doesn't mean that the orange peel straight from the orange is going to do the same thing. That orange peel in that ingredient has been studied in a lab. It has been tested. It's been tested on skin to make sure that it is right. And it's been formulated with other chemicals to make sure that it is balanced for your skin. So you don't know what an actual real orange peel is going to do to your face. I see this all the time, like a sugar scrub. You don't just put raw, giant, grainy sugar on your face. You're going to cut your face. You're going to cause microabrasions. You're going to cause long-term damage. Don't put honey on your face because you don't know where that honey came from. You don't know the concentration of honey. You don't know the, the bees it came from. You could have a horrible reaction. And honey is one of those things that people are very reactive to. However, honey in a skin cream that has been cut with a little bit of filler or mixed with an active is a whole different thing. So just don't do any of the DIY masks. Yeah, you might save a few bucks, but it's it can cause so many problems in the long term. Food just should not go in your face. Keep your food in your kitchen. And the, the other thing to remember too is um, with fragrance is fragrance also gets a bad rap, but fragrance is only bad if you react to it. So if you are really sensitive, yeah, you know fragrance isn't for you. Cool. If you have, you know, certain skin conditions that fragrance makes them flare up, then avoid fragrance. Most fragrances are just fine. I don't love heavily fragrant stuff just because I don't like the smell of heavily fragrant stuff. But please also remember that there's a big difference between unscented and fragrance free. If you have allergies and you need something that doesn't have fragrance in it, go for fragrance free. Unscented just means that fragrance is added to take away the scent that's naturally there because every chemical, every product is naturally going to have a scent. And people always say to me like, oh, I want natural products that have no added fragrance. You don't want a skincare product with an active in it that doesn't have added fragrance because most active skincare products 
stink. Vitamin C in its natural form without its na- you know the, the added citrus scent smells fucking awful. Retinol alone, pure retinol smells terrible. I have an amazing peel from this company and it smells like vomit. So yeah, if you want skincare products that smell like absolute turds, fine, then go with them that don't have fragrance. But fragrance is added just to make those things a little bit more palatable while it's on your face right under your nose and you can smell it. So fragrances by nature aren't bad. I have a few questions. I forgot they're at the bottom of my list. So um, just I just had a few. Uh, the first one was by at Josie underscore Gilmore underscore. She said, what about clean eating? Is it important? So one thing I have to disclaim, I am not a nutritionist, so I cannot legally give nutritional advice. The one thing I can say going back to organics, organics in skincare products are much different than organics in food. And I think clean eating is also a little bit of a buzzy, buzzwordy industry, but clean eating, I think is a lot more simplified and actually like a real thing because clean eating, you know, I think essentially just means eating food grown from the earth, eating beans and lentils and fruits and veggies and organic things versus eating really overly processed, high fat, high sugar, that kind of thing. I don't think there's anything ever wrong with clean eating. I think clean eating is great. I think the more antioxidants you eat, the better it is for your skin, which they're great topically, but they're really great inside of your skin as well, especially if you live in a really sunny climate. So I think that clean eating is very important. I don't think that you necessarily have to, everything you eat has to be clean. Like I'm going to eat cookies sometimes and I'm not going to feel guilty about that. But I definitely think that clean eating is less of a sort of buzzword industry than clean beauty is. At E, uh, Lasky said, no question, just a frustrated SD, sick of explaining why every chemical isn't bad. I had so many estheticians, skincare professionals, doctors commenting when I made my question post about clean beauty, just saying like, oh my God, please talk about this because people need to know the truth. So there you go. And then the last question is from at Cat Trains Dogs says, thoughts on Lush. So I don't know a ton about Lush. What I do know is that Lush markets themselves as being really natural. I don't know really how true that is. I haven't done a lot of research, but I do know that Lush uses lots of fragrances, lots and lots of fragrances. So if you are sensitive to fragrances, stay away from Lush. They'll probably give you a reaction. They also use a lot of pigments and dyes in their, like in their bath bombs, in their soaps and that kind of thing. So if, if you're sensitive to either of those, I would say stay away. Um, I've used a few Lush products I love. I tend to get a headache when I go inside of their stores, so I don't go in very often, but that's my perspective on Lush. So I guess in conclusion, I could really talk about this all day, but I'm going to do it in conclusion because I don't want to inundate you guys with too much information. Here's the thing. If you like companies that sell the natural non-toxic line that's fine if you just like that company if you like that certain cream or whatever that's fine don't stress yourself out so much searching for these words because they don't really have a lot of weight and a lot of meaning scientifically you know if you are sick and you're trying to avoid certain things great by all means do whatever works for you do whatever gives you peace of mind do whatever you feel makes you feel good when you wake up in the morning there's nothing wrong with that but also just don't feel the pressure from the beauty industry to fall into these lines that they've drawn to make profit. And I think really most importantly, if you want the real lowdown on 
what is safe and what isn't safe in the beauty industry, follow cosmetic chemists. Do not follow beauty brands. Beauty brands are trying to sell you. And if beauty brands are posting studies, look at who funded the study. If it says, if it's a clean beauty company and they say, oh, this causes cancer, look at the study and it's likely funded by the company that's telling you that that thing causes cancer and to not use it and use their thing instead. That's another really important thing because with those studies that are funded by the company that is showing you the study, they get tricky with the wording to sort of prove their point, even though the science might not really be there. So I just advise you to follow cosmetic chemists and ask cosmetic chemists questions because they have no horse in the race and they're really good at actually looking at studies and actually being able to decipher what the study is actually saying versus, you know, the beauty brands that are telling you their, their perspective because it's, it's a billion dollar industry. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will not do another one of these ranty podcasts, at least for a long while, because I don't know, it was probably a lot, but I felt like it was really important because I get asked questions about clean beauty all the time. So at the very least, I have a place to send everybody who asked me about this now and, and hope that they have 40 minutes or whatever to listen to me babbling. All right, friends, that is it for the week. If you want to submit for future podcasts, questions or stories, follow me on my socials. I am at the Cherry Dollface or at Skin by Cherokee if you want to follow my esthetician stuff um, all over socials. And I guess that's it. So, you know what? Don't be an asshole. And until next time, here's me waving like a maniac with all these chemicals on my... Bye, everyone.